Welcome to Five Blossom Radio with your host, Denise Richard. Five Blossom Empowerment is based on an unusual model for growth, combining elements of the arts, health, and spirituality. Now, here is Denise Richard with co-host, Cal Meisner. So welcoming you today to Five Blossom Radio. Uh, we're going to talk about Qigong healing. That's a very big topic. And with me here is my co-host, Cal Meisner. I would like to remind to uh, remind the listeners that if they'd like to make a comment or ask a question, you can do so on Facebook at Five Blossom Gatherings, or you can call us at one 346 9141 and just give us a buzz. Cal, would you like to check in, please? Yes, thank you very much, Denise. Excited to be here. We have a very special episode today. Uh, we're going to be talking today about health management, but perhaps in a way that you may not be familiar with or may not be kind of standard in our, our Western society. So very, very excited to be talking about that. So, Denise, can you tell us when we talk about and of course, we are talking about qigong as a healing practice. Can you please tell us more about that? Okay, that's a that's a big question. I'm going to break it down into smaller pieces so that you can understand a little bit more. For those who are first new to this kind of work, it might see, sound very strange. So we're going to take it real small and build up a little bit. So the five blossom gatherings model um, offers practices. These are sensitive. Very, very easy to approach work. Um, and it has a lot of value. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the practice uh, and what the value is, and then we'll build it into what is healing. So Qigong, first of all, translates as a healing practice. So a practice uh, offers you a simple way of approach, as I've mentioned many times. And you can imagine that if you don't know anything, uh, you're going to look at me and go, I have no idea what we're doing here or why we're doing it. So if I give you a few moments of my time and I offer you a few mom- movements to do, physical, light physical movements with breath, and you take a few minutes and you involve yourself in this very quiet exercise, a few things are going to happen. Now, first of all, the fact that it's quiet, that it's unusual movements that are delicate, that are sensitive, that they're easy and they're simple, offers a unique practice that's very gentle. And it's a practice that actually, through experience, I can tell you that it helps all levels of the body. So this process of giving you this tiny little practice, informing you how to do it, putting you in a mindful place, allowing you to access the body the mind, the spirit of all of that, and helping you get connected is mysterious in a way because that process can take you into a very large healing practice and a very large healing experience. Now, how and exactly how does that happen? I'm sorry, but that I cannot actually speak to because it is mysterious. But Qigong healing is actually ancient and the history of it is very important so let's talk a little bit about where does this come from and it'll help a little bit with the understanding so the practice of qigong dates back thousands of years 
their descriptions of practices, these tiny little things that we've talked about, movements, very specific, found on, on stone slabs in China. These are clear inscriptions of body movements that indicate a very specific method. So the movements were clearly practiced long ago in a very particular pattern or sequence. And to this day, these practices are acceptable as a health management practice in of. So another bit, a little bit of information, there are details or accounts of these practices that were held by the monks and noblemen long ago. They were ancient ones who worked the understanding of this knowledge. So they worked long ago to promote an awareness that the power of chi in the body, the power of heartfelt presence, and the power of a clear mind could generate extreme results. So today, new evidence is, is discovered that these accounts are significant. So, and can I ask you a really quick question? Yeah. When, sure. you, when you refer to chi, mm-hmm. for our listeners that may not be familiar with that term, what, what do you mean by chi? Well, chi is vital energy. Throughout the body, you have uh, the promotion of energy or flow, through, flow of energy on a number of levels. You, you know, we normally on the physical level look at our body. So we have all these systems, you know, the, the bones and the, the you know, venous mm-hmm. system and the muscular system and the nervous system. Each one of these interfaces together is like a promotion of a certain kind of power and all together create the physical body. But before you were born, you, you weren't born a physical body. Uh, I mean, you're born actually from something that's very, very delicate and sensitive. And in that, within that matter, is formed all the energetics, the, the energetic pathways. And with the, on that, the physical body is formed. And through that, you're physically born. Gotcha. So that sensitive promote movement from energy into form or from something very subtle into a physical form is actually what we're talking about in a certain way is that that's what we're looking at is all that that mysterious process Mm -hmm. well it's well documented that it exists so an important feature of this way of work is that it was passed down through clear lineage that does that didn't get broken it's passed down from master teacher or master you know, we know now that the master healers of old to student and apprentice. So the general story goes that over centuries, the source of this knowledge was actually held in monastic settings where there is evidence that, for instance, the tiny huts in which this knowledge was kept. And over long periods of time, it would happen that the numbers may have fallen down. In other words, like the cycles of nature, you know, there's a growth and then there's a there's a there's a kind of a dying off. It, the numbers may have gotten small, but the the lineages, some of the lineages have stayed. So, so as an example, the five blossom gatherings model holds a particular lineage that has been going on for a long, long, long time. Okay, and so my first question: You talk about a healing practice. What do you mean by that term? So, again, I'll break it down. The word healing and the word practice are are both very strong words. So let's start with what is a practice so you can see where the healing might come in. Uh, Practice has, has many features. Each feature is significant in the way that it works 
to help you create or, or reclaim the whole of who you are. So what is a practice? It's, a, it's the elements of a sequence or that help to create a healthy experience or promote the health of your body, your mind, and your spirit. So a practice is a way of approaching uh, and designed to open the main centers of energy in your body. That would be a general healing practice. So these these centers, let's talk in, in general for somebody who knows absolutely nothing. What does that mean to you? It means that, for instance, the junctions at your shoulders, at your hips, uh, like, you know, that connect the hips to the body are really, really important centers. If these get blocked up, then the energy in the core can't get to the legs and the legs can't get to the ground and the ground can't get to your body. And so the general flow of energy starts getting bunged up. That is a basic of a, the basics of a healing practice will promote the opening of these centers and help the energy move gently through the system so that you can start climbing other levels of, of energy without the basics nothing moves so that's the basic of a healing practice so these areas support the movement of energy through the core and to the limbs and the movement of this energy is 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 held because we need it for grounding we need it for maintaining a basic relationship to the world and this is the this is a basic level of what I call reconnection. If you can do this in practice and and open these centers up gently, mindfully, lovingly, then you'll have an experience of yourself and an experience of healing it comes naturally. What this does is it helps to let's say helps you let go of anything that's unwanted. The debris that you'll pick up through the day or the stresses of the day will will be relieved from the body. So this work is really effortless. It doesn't take, it just, it's mindfulness really in practice. So then the, the, the question is, well, what, what's the foundation of, of, of this kind of practice? And it would be that in order to receive a practice that's going to really support you, uh, it would need to be given by somebody who understands the multiple levels of awareness that are sustained in order for the big healing to occur. So let's pretend that you want to learn about your own healing process. You'd want to go to somebody who's actually qualified enough to be able to be, let's say, five or six steps ahead of you so that when you go into your healing process, they can guide you into a, a deeper healing process. If somebody just takes a little practice and says, hey, I'll share this with you, they're just sharing. They don't really know anything about healing. It's not going to really go anywhere. It'll, it'll maybe look good, might feel good, that's okay. But the actual process of growth can happen over years. And if somebody is well qualified as, as a certified instructor to guide you through that, who actually practices, who actually knows the ins and outs of it, then they can guide you through a deep deep, deep reclamation, and that's significant. So a qualified teacher is really, really important. But the other thing is that these practices, though sharing may be given, as, as I say, given to you. So let's say uh, you go to a birthday party. I'm going to go to another subject here. You go to a birthday party, and somebody gives you some gifts, and you say, oh, my, how lovely these gifts. But that one and that one, not, not so much, but that one is significant. It feels like oh, you touched me. So when a, when a practice is really given and you have that sense, wow, that's a really nice gift, it really touched me, it usually means that it has depth, it has significant impact on your, on your energetics, and it helps hold you in a kind, loving, and respectful place. So 
these practices that are given through Vibe Blossom Gatherings are not just given today. What they're, what they, meaning what they, what they are is they're not manipulated. They are not uh, invented today. <laughs> they're, they're old practices, and they're designed. Um, they were designed long, long, long ago to protect the the body and the the field of energy. They're generally given as a support and to hold real power in the body. We don't mess around with them. We don't manipulate these practices. We don't say, well, let me just cut this part off and do this or do that. We don't manipulate them. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned these practices are ancient. Who created these practices? Well, I would say they were created by um, wise people, first of all, sages uh, of old, uh, those who knew that we need, people need, we need care, we need help, we need to manage ourselves, we need to be able to cope with the stress of life. Those who are interested and those who are intelligent enough to be able to find the curiosity or to the way through to be able to observe how the natural world reflected a way of healing. Now, this is significant. There's a story that was given to me long ago when I first started um, working in this, and it, it holds as one of the primary stories where there's an account of a man uh, who took refuge uh, at a known place in China. This, this gentleman was a prince, and he didn't enjoy his life. There were significant challenges. He chose to leave his noble life and go live in a in a cave. Now, this is long ago. This was acceptable behavior to go find refuge and to sit and observe. Well, this cave was close to a, a well-known monastery. So he took care, uh, observed his life there. He was taken care of by the monks. So the monks became, um, you know, familiar to him, and he became familiar to their way of life. His work was he, was, he was intrigued by the natural world and the way that the animal world reflected uh, a way of staying well and healthy. If you wonder, well, how do the birds manage these extreme situations? How do the animals like, manage this? So he was able to observe nature and observe in such a way that he became knowledgeable of how to work the, the human energy system in a way that would promote healing and wellness through the through the extreme stresses of life. And he became knowledgeable enough that he was able to help the monks and support them in a way that could offer a way of healing for them too. So here's where the Qigong healer starts to develop, where he becomes known as a Qigong healer, as a, he, he was able to offer healing practices. So he taught how to see nature and how to use the knowledge for self-care. And he reflected on how the animal kingdom and how it gave insight to the natural world and how it heals and repairs itself. It requires a very, very sensitive observation and application. So the witnessing was not just in a moment. This is over years, over cycles, over seasons, and how the elements played a huge part in the process and how the bigger picture of nature, the mysterious part of nature, implicated us in a healing process if we followed it. So it's the understanding of how we can mirror that as we would always want to mirror something that's kind, gentle, and good, could naturally heal then. 
So those who taught, practiced these forms of movement that emulated the natural world and the flow of energy that would create, you know, a healthy body. So it was, it was, it was a, these are the engineers of ancient time, really, the elders, the teachers, the keepers of the knowledge and teaching. And uh, they cared, they were also the caretakers of the natural world. So I remember also um, being given a, a tiny little book long ago. It's just this tiny thing on, on Qigong healing, and it provided me uh, a, 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 I remember reading this book, and the words in it were a little different. I mean, the way that they describe the practices, but one thing that they did reflect that I remember very clearly is that they reflected the, the, the animal kingdom. And they talked about the deer and they talked about the crane and they talked about the turtle, for example, and describing the respect for the quiet strength of the natural world. And that, to me, is, is, was, was very important. It was really touching. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So I just wanted to take a moment to remind our listeners, if you're listening live and you want to call in and ask questions, you can call 1-888-346-9141. And if you're not listening live, if you're listening via podcast, or if you are listening live, but you want to ask a question or leave a comment by our Facebook group, please join us on Facebook at Five Blossom Gatherings. So my next question, so what are the properties of a general healing practice? Okay, the, talking about healing is is sensitive, and it, I hope that I can explain this nicely so that people can can see that it's uh, it's it's unique to each tradition. First of all, so I'm talking about it from uh, a very basic, very basic qigong perspective. Um, healing helps to maintain our health, obviously, but it helps us manage the stress of life. So healing is not just I'm ill, I want to be healthy. Healing is a process of, it's a daily reclamation that helps the body and helps the heart, helps the mind stay stay calibrated. So I don't see healing as just, well, you know, you're ill, let me heal you. It's about teaching you a way of life that's going to help you prevent challenges. And if you do get into challenges, a way of managing the challenges. So those who practice will find this work soothing and uplifting. And it also helps generate vitality. It supports good grounding. It helps with your your stability, your core alignment, your balance, your flexibility. I mean, I can go on here. It helps you the deep breathing. It supports your mindfulness. It allows you to become the, 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 the what do you call that, the, the person at the center of the ring. You know, you're at the center of your circle. And it also helps create uh, at the right time, a certain kind of intensity. In other words, some people need to relax. Let's start there. How many people say, oh, man, can I help, uh, help me relax? Okay, so let's take a basic, basic, basic premise. If you and I are sitting there and you're really stressed out, why don't we just sit down, take five minutes and take a breath, and I'm going to serve you a cup of tea. So we sit down, I serve you nice hot cup of tea and for the five minutes we sit there and mindfully drink our cup of tea what's going to happen what do you think is going to happen cal probably calm down you'll calm down but why are you calming down well because i've taken the time to do so you took the time to observe Mm. you took the time to get into quietness but you took the time 
period. So that premise, I mean, many cultures will say, let's have tea. So what I'm talking about in Qigong healing practice isn't actually outside of life. It's actually part of life, taking the time. So this kind of work, if you, if you, work, if you work a very stressful life, it's going to help you take the time. It's, we're not asking for a long time. Five minutes is, is, is okay. You can take five, 15, 20, whatever is needed, but taking the time to relax. But if you have a, a very sedate life where you need stimulation, this work also happens to be able to generate the opposite, the kind of opposite energy that will help calibrate the body too. So it's not just about teaching you to relax. It's teaching you how to help calibrate. So we accept that in the body we're going to have extremes, extreme needs. And the properties of a healing practice are going to support your awareness and observation of how you have these opposites in the body and how to, how to help, help yourself because it's not just one. So it helps create a continuum of experience, like a thread of awareness that is going to help you claim the understanding of your your energy system, and that is practice. That takes time and awareness. So each practice is designed to support a certain kind of awareness, but the general practices will help you open the system up so you can get a general reflection. The specific practices open up the energy so you can get a specific uh, outcome. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Five Blossom Gatherings has both both models. So it takes training, meaning that we often want to practice with somebody who really knows their stuff, but also you want to practice with a group that if you can, it, not everybody's into that, but if you can, because it teaches you a number of different things about how to hold a bigger focus of energy. Uh, but it depends also um, on the lineage. And that's a strange thing. People say, well, what's a lineage? What, I don't understand. Well, when I say that these practices were offered throughout history, they were offered down from teacher to student or from math master to apprentice, it means that there's a certain respect for the consciousness and for the, the, the power, the beauty, the, the wisdom, and the, and the mystery of it, that it was shared. So if somebody was able to realize a certain practice, so let's say you have a grandmaster who gives you a tiny little practice, and you think, well, I don't know what it is, but obviously it has power because it's a gift, and you pray with that. You look at that, you experience that, you'll realize that that person is giving you their consciousness, he's giving you their heart, he's giving you an experience in the body that'll keep you well. That's a huge gift. You may not see it on a physical level as much at the time, but if you practice it, you engage in opening a field of awareness with that person. And that's mastery. That's, that's, an, experience, that's an extreme experience of lineage. So depending... Uh, the lineage depends on what resources were used, so what animal uh, was reflected in the power of the practice, and who the teacher was who was giving the practice. So it, it, each each practice and each lineage holds a certain degree of awareness uh, to, that you would apply with, and these are designated types. So can you give us an example of one of those types? Yeah, sure. Um, there are thousands of forms of Qigong. 
the practice that I have been given is from a crane lineage. So if you think about... Crane is in the bird? Yeah, the, you know, the okay. blue heron, okay, the beautiful yeah. blue heron. And the if you think about, okay, imagine this bird, uh, what are the top what comes up for you? Calm, balanced. Okay, so here you see a bird that has a beautiful broad chest, strong, very strong way of holding, so silent and quiet that you can easily miss them in nature. And you can also see that the bird is able to be so still, so mindful, and take that fish specifically when it's time not take more than that, be able to be completely at peace, be able to stay alive. I mean, these, this bird's an ancient bird. If you look at the history of birds, this one goes back. The crane goes back long, long ago. So are you saying then that the, it sounds like the characteristics of the crane are reflected in the crane practice? That's right. That's right. So you're looking to develop mindfulness, observation, all those qualities that I spoke about earlier would be actually found in the practice and a way of managing the development of that within you. So if, you, if, you, like, if you're the average person who doesn't have any experience, you're going to need to start somewhere. And so these are the tiny practices that help you develop these fine qualities. It's, very, it's, very, it's actually really special. Mm. It's a lovely experience. You also mentioned earlier that some people, for example, might need intensity. Is there another practice or that emulates a different animal that would be, would give me that intensity? That That's a good question. We would, we would be able to find it within the crane too, but there are other lineages that would probably, you know, develop or help develop uh, or other forms of intensity that will help generate, you know, health in the body. Not everybody wants sedation or quietness. Some people want to be a little bit more intense. So, yes, yes, there are other kinds of chikung. Great. So the nature of a healing practice uh, is designed to help you hold to the bigger picture, which is the natural world. So these practices, since they were developed through the natural world, bring you back to the natural world and to the wisdom, the body that relates to the natural world. So the nature of a healing practice helps you link to the resources that we all share that, that keep us alive. So it makes us want to take better care of ourselves and but also reflects on how we take care of the environment. And this is a really, really significant uh, uh, situation for most of us, knowing that if the environment is challenged and we want to be healthy, how do we stay healthy? So next week we're going to talk more about this, but this is really a big piece around how do we link it all up? How does it all work in the bigger picture? Can we be healthy in an environmental challenge that we're in, as, as it is? And I say, yes, we can. We mm. can talk about that more. All right. And so when do we engage in this kind of practice? Well, I think the most important thing is to understand that if five blossoms refer to the five parts of you that you can actually grow into, you'd understand that it may not be just a physical issue. It might be an emotional issue or a heartfelt issue, or it might be that you want more clarity of mind, or you might want to develop a part of creativity. You want to be get, get into you know being more creative or my, more mindful. So it depends on your intuition. 
on what your intuition is telling you and what your needs are. You may not be able to actually articulate it either. That sometimes happens. Somebody will show up and say, I don't know, I just feel it feels right. I don't know what it means. I don't know. I don't, I don't have a language for it yet. So uh, the practices help uh, you generate energy and uh, help you uh, remain aware uh, that if the practice is a good fit for you, then you probably take it on and probably want to do it and make it part of your lifestyle because it's so easy to integrate into as a as a healing tool as a maintaining so it helps um, it helps you it can be done at work it can be done anywhere and it helps you hold uh, a way of of health so today we're looking at qigong healing and we're going to talk about that a little bit more after the break uh, we're looking at a way of engaging the body that holds a lot of wisdom and helps uh, on many levels. So, And I think what you've also said, too, if I might add, is that the this work puts this person at the center of the work. Right? Yeah, this is, this right. is about you as an individual. That's right. You become the healer. Right. You become the healer. And we just lend each other the consciousness so that we can become the healer. Hmm. And even though the person who holds the presence is powerful in this situation we don't interfere with the healing process so mm-hmm. that will come up we'll talk a bit more about that after the break it's it's kind of a fun subject to say well how does that work mm-hmm. cool because you talked about the teacher guiding the process mm-hmm. me as an individual doing the work but also perhaps doing it in a group where others are lending their consciousness that's and support right. and their kindness that's right but again i think the appeal to many is that I can take my health into my own hands. That's right. That's right. You become the keeper of your health. Mm, Beautiful. Mm. All right. So with that, we will take a break. As Denise mentioned, we uh, have lots more great questions. Also, again, if you have any questions, please give us a call. uh, Or you can join us on Facebook as well at Five Blossoms Gathering. So leave comments, ask questions. If you are listening live, feel free to call us at 1-888-346-9141. Uh, And back to you after our break with with more great stuff with Denise Richard. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Five Blossom Gatherings is the website and program from Denise Richard. By visiting fiveblossomgatherings.com, you'll find out more about Denise's professional Tai Chi and Qigong services. Explore her website and view works of art and much more. You can book healing and counseling sessions with Denise. She works with clients who have health interests and concerns. Her programs include knowing your whole body, self-care for your health, and inspiring wholeness. Visit fiveblossomgatherings.com today. You are listening to Five Blossom Radio. Connect with the program today by calling in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to fiveblossomgatherings at gmail.com. Now, back to Five Blossom Radio. Well, welcome back, everyone. We're here talking again about healing uh, via Qigong as a healing practice. 
And so, Denise, I'll just dive into my next question for you. When we talk about healing, how does healing actually occur through this method? Yeah, it's a big mystery, isn't it? Mm. I actually think about um, how anything uh, how anything gets born. So it's as, probably as miraculous as the way you were born. The elements of this world, as I mentioned earlier, Qigong healing connects you into a big picture. And the elements of this world move us. And there's a consciousness that takes place in that. And either we come back into reconnection. In other words, we come back into a way of honoring and a way of respecting and a way of holding together. Or we disperse. So either we come into health or we come into death. So we have these two extremes that we work into. The reconnection is probably the most valuable way to explain it because this makes it easy for a person to consider that the healing process is not something you actually think about. It's not something you worry about. It's not something you try and manage. It's actually that we connect into something greater than ourselves and it helps manage us. And if you can manage the present moment, if you can manage the way you feel, the way you experience yourself, and the circumstances of the greater picture without getting too distressed. In other words, there's a certain amount of, let's say, you have to distance yourself a little bit from being too engaged. That kind of not being too uh, or overly involved in anything, there's a witnessing, a way of observing, a way of grounding yourself, and a way of allowing that helps you uh, enjoy the ease of the work. And that's the piece. It's like, mm-hmm. if I want to engage in a healing practice, then I enjoy the practice. I enjoy the mindfulness of it. I enjoy the experience of it. And the enjoyment will actually open me to something greater. Mm, I love that. And I thought of a, an important distinction before the break is, you know, often we think of healing as an event. So if I cut myself, I go to the hospital and they give me stitches and now I'm done. That's right. When you refer to a practice, to me, it's this ongoing yeah. methodology I use to ensure that my health and vitality are, are good. Yeah, it is. It's a practice, meaning that it's a way of connecting with yourself. It's a way of engaging the bigger picture so that you have resources in order to maintain the process you're going to go through in a lifetime. So, it's it, we don't move things around by will in, in healing. We allow the natural change and enjoy the witnessing of the compassionate space that we create. So, the work, is natu- the work naturally generates health. Now, this is different than other models. Other models put you at the center, put the healer at the center of the healing practice. This is not the way. I've been I've been trained as a healer in other forms. This is a way of removing yourself, but engaging and being being present at the same time. So, how does healing occur through the natural flow, through the natural presence, through the light, through the awareness, and through the the kindness, the presence that we create, that we bring forth. So under all this, we can see that the ancient knowledge that's given to us, the gift that's given to us in this kind of practice is held in a certain way by those who understood this, that that's, that's the power of healing. Hmm. And when should we consider working with Qigong as a practice? Well, I, I spoke earlier about the the intuitive part of this work that you don't really necessarily know because you don't have to come to it because you're sick. 
you can be, you can come to Qigong healing because you're well, because you want to learn more about wellness and about holding wellness. So the journey is different for each of us. However, if the practice is given and the experience integrates uh, into a really strong way of health, the need will become apparent. And for some, this will become a daily, daily experience. So if, if you first learn a small practice and it's unfamiliar, uh, when the familiar, when the issue of familiarity d- dries off, you're going to actually see the signals. You're going to actually feel the signals and all the details that tell you how to maintain your wellness. So at first, you don't see the signals because you don't really know what you're looking for. So after a while, you become able to read your own body, your own energetics, and know when things are actually off or going off track well before that you'd get ill. So a small practice can really change your life. But also the practice of this type can also be so delightful and so much fun and so pleasurable that it becomes as, you know, as enjoyable as your first cup of tea in the morning or, you know, that that lovely meal that you might take. It makes sense to say that uh, in this culture, though hard exercise is considered you know, really important to our life, this kind of gentle, tender quality of exercise isn't often perceived as as powerful. And I would love to see, I would like to see some of that change because this really helps with the process of aging and the process of maintaining mobility and our alignment and our our way of, 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 of connection with each other. So it's good for all ages, but I've taught teens, I've taught elderlies, you know, 75, 80. There's no, there's, there's no limit to who can learn this. And are there prerequisites to receiving a practice such as Qigong? Well, I think that, first of all, <laughs> you got to be willing to receive the gift. <laughs> so you have to have an open mind, a willing mind, uh, and, and also that you can and understand that the simplicity of it is power. Some people look at it and go, it's not enough. There has to be more. And so that you can see that the mind's in the way. There's, there's kind of a set protocol, you know, way of thinking about wellness. And that has, to sh- that has to shift a little bit. But then if you have an open heart and the ability to accept the sensitive material or the, 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 what's going to come up, uh, the ability to stand for 20 minutes or 15 minutes. Some practices are adaptable to sitting if you're not well, but you can also do it maybe even laying down if you're really not well. Uh, the ability to listen. In other words, are you willing to listen to yourself? <laughs> are you willing to be kind? Are you willing to listen to the teacher? Because, you know, we want to be able to speak and, and be heard um, or that you can receive the gift. Uh, the ability to uh, be supported. If you don't want help, you ain't going to get help. Mm-hmm. If you want to be able to support others, in other words, even though we work it together, we're sharing a common space, we're supporting others by the level of dedication and devotion we have to our practice. And sharing that is very, very, very strong and very, very important. It's ancient practice that way too. Mm-hmm. So the group process in a quiet place together is a very strong experience of, of, of health healing. Beautiful. And I just want to take a moment and remind our, our listeners 
Um, if you if you're listening live and you want to dial in and ask questions or be part of the discussion, we'd love to hear from you. The number is one eight 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 three four six nine one four one. Or you can go onto the Facebook page at Five Blossoms Gatherings. And if you're listening via podcast or you're not listening to the live broadcast, feel free to join us on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. All right. So the next question, again, we're talking about healing today. Can Denise, can you speak further about the healing process? Like, how, how does that work? <laughs> process, process. Which yeah. way are we going with that? Process for our American Okay, friends. I got that. Um, so I've been in this field um, for a good 30 years or more and I see healing as natural so if I I describe this as natural then it moves you to see that I'm not the one doing the work I'm involved in a bigger picture and I'm simply I'm the mentor I'm the guide I'm the helper Uh, I'm the holder of the space so the process is your way of reclaiming or your way of reclamation uh, and it's the the gathering or the reclaiming of the simple elements that make you whole so what are you reclaiming you want what would you like a clear mind or what would you like a giving heart what would you like a strong dedication to actions that are good that are kind what would you like you know it's a, it depends on what your motivation is if you're motivated to that kind of lifestyle and to that way of being, then you're going to look to reclaim yourself in the in, in that way. Wherever you've lost, you're going to reclaim it through the practice. So when you choose to do the work, you gain a certain kind of intelligence about yourself and you claim it for yourself and nobody can take it away. But you also claim an experience of your own energetics at such a level that you can actually put yourself back onto the, you know, back back at the podium or back onto the horse or back into the flow, if depending on, you know, what life gives you. So what it requires, it requires um, empathy for yourself. What do you mean by that, empathy for yourself? Well, I think there's a few things we can talk about. Uh, let me run down through this, and I'll talk about empathy in a minute. Sure. I think because empathy to me is such a big part of it. And you'll see how empathy touches each of the things that I'm going to touch here. So if you're empathetic, then you'll have a a willingness to look at yourself. If you're empathetic, then you'll have a way of kindness for whatever is is occurring and discover whatever you discover. But you also want an ability to sustain the vulnerability. So empathy is a very, very powerful, uh, consciousness that helps you maintain an openness and that way of being that vulnerability is crucial to holding the power or that comes through i think the most important piece though is that it it requires a certain courage and without the courage to accept and allow for the change that's going to come in your life and that change could be something you do not want it, it, life doesn't always offer us roses, and I don't like that statement, but it's so true that we have to look at things from other sides, and we're, we're patterned. So the breaking of the patterns, the dismantling of the patterns is often what our you know, life offers us. Is you're going to have to look at that differently now. So the courage 
to allow for what's happening and to let go and to let it happen. All this together, as I mentioned, places you at the center. It's the power. You're, you're the power. And you're at the center of your own understanding. It's not an intellectual game here. We don't actually know where we're going. If I asked you, do you know how it's going to end for you? No, you don't. If I ask you, do you know what's going to happen in 10 years? No, you don't. You only know what's in the present moment. So if we don't know where we're going, we have an idea, we have a, we're motivated towards a certain end, then it means that we have to accept that we're not actually the ones running the bigger picture, and that's a very hard one for us to hold. So what holds us at the heart of the, of, of the matter, of the process, is that the heart is the healing balm. The heart is the safe place. And if you reclaim that heart, if you hold that heart in as that, then we can talk about empathy. Mm. So when you talk about this process of healing and reclaiming and you talk about empathy, is there another way that you can describe us or describe it, sorry, for our listeners, or are there stories that would help describe what you're talking about? Yeah, I have, I have a few stories that, that come to mind here. One was um, long ago, of course, as I'm learning basic, basic skills. I think I mentioned that when I was first supported to go uh, get ground and get some skills, as I remember her telling me, um, I engaged with some very important people. And one teacher uh, was a very, very, very adept at giving me some basic skills on how I can sense my own self and how to sense other people and how to start distinguishing the healing process. So in that, in that um, course, uh, I was facing a, a person who was needing help and I was being asked to, to provide uh, care and I was stumped. I was completely not able to move, not able to breathe, not able to, I couldn't, I just didn't know where to go. So in asking for some guidance from the teacher, um, the person looked at me and looked at my heart and said, well, why don't you just go into that space for a moment and tell me how you feel? What's going on? And I burst into tears. I couldn't hold myself. And what I recognized was that I didn't have a way of articulating how I felt due to the amount of pain I was, I was experiencing for the other person. In other words, empathy provides an open door and you can sense another person's experience so well that it could almost be more than you can manage because it's it's so tender, such a tender space. So empathy is a really important piece in the learning how to heal. And without it, we can't heal ourselves, but we can't actually help others either. So we can't actually engage in any bigger picture. So empathy is a really crucial piece. So... So empathy is important. It mm-hmm. creates. It helps cu- create a safe place. It's 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 not the solution, but it's one of the pieces that will help create the solution. So it opens you to greater knowledge about yourself, but it also is val. It's absolutely valuable if you're going to be in the service of caring for others. So that's a very big piece. Also, in my in my world, beauty. Of heart, the the heartfelt space holds the real power, and empathy helps engage that heartfelt space. So, those who have 
challenges with empathy usually have boundary issues. In other words, there's an issue where you can't, as I mentioned in that story, they can't hold to both. They have their own experience, they have an experience outside them, and they can't engage the wholeness of it. And they have, it's being able to have your own experience and not dismiss the experience of others either. It's it's, it's being the ringmaster and being able to see what's in the ring. What are some other challenges with empathy? Well, without empathy, you can't, as I said, actually heal your own heart. You can't actually engage in any healing, period. Mm. It's a big one. Then. It's a big one. It's a very big one. I actually remember um, being involved in a huge healing experience once where somebody was asking, okay, how do I manage the fact that I'm in pain? I don't want to come and visit you because I'm just going to feel pain. And I don't want to develop empathy because I'm just going to feel more pain. How do I manage that? How do I heal? And that kind of thinking uh, isn't uncommon. And I have, I have, you know, empathy for that. <laughs> I, I can understand that when we're in pain. So the practice uh, teaches you that if you can learn to ground, in other words, when we're holding so tightly to an experience that the experience has taken us out of the game, then the healing process is minimal. You can't. You can. You can do very little. You have to be able to resource energy in order to heal. So if I imagine that being taken that strongly by an experience and I'm in that much pain, that means that my little feet are off the ground. I don't have the grounding anymore. Because where do I get the big pictures from the earth and from my legs and from the beauty and the wholeness of my body? So this kind of Qigong healing practice, as I said, opens up the gates and the hips and the arms and so on so that your little legs can get connected to the bigger picture. You can resource energy. You can start moving energy. And your little arms and your little shoulders can actually open up so that you can actually connect at heart with other people. That process is actually the physical opening in the body so that empathy can actually be part of your process so I, I use empathy today because we don't talk a lot about these 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 issues but you can also it could be interchangeable with compassion some people would say empathy and compassion are similar compassion for me is an actually even bigger ticket than than empathy because compassion actually brings you to other levels of consciousness. But empathy is at the heart, specifically at the heart. And compassion to me would be including other elements, not just the heart. Mm. So, Okay, very powerful. Thank you. Um, so you talk again about healing practices, and it sounds like you've had many experiences. Can you... What kind of healing experiences have you witnessed, either in yourself or others? Well, uh, I remember this is this is a, a really powerful experience. I actually remember once a woman coming to me for Qigong, and she didn't have any clue why she was there. <laughs> she actually said, I don't really know why I'm here, but um, it, just somebody mentioned it, and I thought, yeah, I'll come. I'll be your friend. I'll come. So she comes for a little practice. And then says, you know, I, I would really like to do a, like a like a consult with you. I just you know, let's sit down. 
So she comes and sits down and doesn't really know why she's there. Doesn't you know, doesn't have anything particular. And I always find these moments kind of curious because you think, well, what's behind this door? <laughs> what's this, what's this all about? What's this person looking for? So we engage. We we connect in. We do a few simple practices together. And all of a sudden, the door opens, and whoa, the material, like a gale storm, comes flying through. And I could see the woman looking at me going, uh-oh, I have no clue, no clue what to do. So as the as the person who's holding the space for this person, as most healing modalities will teach, you just open and hold mindfulness for the person. And in doing that, I kind of clued her in to, what if you don't do anything? What if you don't do anything? Just watch your mind, watch your heart, watch your body. I'll do the same. And in doing that, Watch what happens. Don't hang on to it. Just let it go. And she was kind of, yeah, yeah, okay, let's try that. She was open to that. The yes is important. Yes, she tried it. But the most important thing was that she said, this is like an experience from my youth that I remember now so clearly, and it was so impactful on my body. And this is very strong. And I asked her, well, is it you doing the action or is it somebody else? She says, well, it's somebody else. I said, just keep letting it go. Let them go. Let it go. You know, it's like this is energy or an experience that impacted you so strongly. So she lets it go. She comes back to me a week or two later and says she has had the biggest change in her life. And the light and the kindness and the feeling of joy and the feeling, this is Qigong healing. It doesn't necessarily, it, 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 there's a light, breezy quality to this work that mindfulness and heartfelt appreciation create. And so it's really a, a way of describing that here she was willing to say yes and be kind to herself and be held in a place of, of release. Beautiful. So thank you so much for that story. It's a great story and a great example, I think. So maybe just to recap, we're talking about Qigong, and in particular, we're talking about the healing benefits of Qigong as a practice today. Maybe you can just recap for us what Qigong is and some of those benefits. Okay, so we were talking about Qigong, the little healing practice. And because we have not so much time today, I'm just going to run through a few things to say that um, it's the mystery, a mystery of reclaiming um, the wholeness of who you are. And it's a gentle, daily, mindful practice of, of heart-body and um, connecting to the natural world around us in a way that's, um, that's good for you. Uh, what makes it work is your own empathy, your own kindness. And it helps give you permission to sense ways that weren't available before and to reclaim yourself. And that's basically, in a nutshell, Hmm. Uh, what we're working with. What, what, when you say ways that weren't available to us before, what do you mean by that? What it means is that uh, you want to get to know who you are. Mm-hmm. And getting to know who you are means that you give permission to look in and see, oh, yeah, I wasn't fully engaged there. Let me see if I can engage a greater connection with, you know, what I'm really about and what I really need. So getting to know yourself. So this is uh, the end of our cast for today, but saying thank you to all our listeners and reminding you that uh, this process is fluid for us. So if you have more questions, if you have questions, please bring them to us at fiveblossomgatherings.com or uh, you can also call the the number, which is uh, 1-888-888. 
uh, three, four. We'll have to ah. find it here. Scroll up. Okay. Yeah, and, and another way to engage us, of course, is to join on the Facebook page, uh, Five Blossoms Gatherings. Mm-hmm. And next week we work with the environment. Right on. Thank okay. you so much. Thank you for joining us this week for Five Blossom Radio with Denise Richard and co-host Cal Meissner. Please tune into our next program. We're live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we speak again, may you have a harmonious week.